BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hello and welcome to the 2023 college football season. You're listening to Wannabe Walk-Ons, a Nebraska football and craft beer podcast, the official podcast of the Nebraska Craft Brewers Guild, and a proud member of the Herd at Sports Network. I'm Ben and I'm joined as always by my friend and co-host, Drew. Thanks, Ben, and thank you all for joining us. For those new to the show, each episode, Ben and I will sample craft beer, mostly local, some beyond, while sharing our unique brand of Husker Insight. We encourage you to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or X at Wannabe Walk-Ons for the most up-to-date show information. And please subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform, or listen to each episode on wannabewalkons.com. On this week's episode, Drew and I will sample an award-winning beer from Corn Coast Brewing in Lincoln, Nebraska. Recap the Maryland game, raise a glass to Wisconsin, and preview Nebraska's matchup against the Badgers. I'm Ben. And I can't believe we're still doing this. And this is Wannabe Walk-Ons. I mean, we might as well start on a, on a high note, right? We might as well start on on something that's actually winning. <laughs> yes. And, and that is, we're going to dive right in to talking about the beer that we're drinking today. Uh, and we had some beers to choose from as far as award-winning beers when it comes to Corn Coast Brewing. Yeah. Now, um, before we talk about the specific beer, uh, I, I think it behooves us to mention that if you haven't had a chance to listen to our conversation with the guys from Corn Coast Brewing that we did earlier uh, in the off season, please take the time to go sit down and and listen to that. It's a wonderful interview. The guys at Corn Coast are awesome. Um, really cool story, especially when we're, we're we're talking about you know Veterans Day weekend as we're recording this. There are a pair of veterans who um, you know open a small business. The entire Lincoln community and the Nebraska beer drinking community rallies around them, and then they go off. They compete uh, at the Great American Beer Festival and they win some major awards. Yeah, and that's what we're sipping on today, which is a, a 2023. Silver Award winner from Corn Coast Brewing. This is called Modern Melody. It is a hazy pale ale, which is awesome. Our favorite thing in the world are pale ales. Yes. Uh, and it's brewed with a thousand, a hundred percent. It's brewed with a thousand percent effort, but a hundred percent citra hops. And uh, boy, howdy, is this is this a wonderful beer? What a what a turn of events this beer feels like. You know what I mean? Like this feels like some sunshine uh, in a in a it is. day it's of darkness. The, yeah, it's the sun peeking through the clouds for us. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that because uh, we we talked about visiting uh, or revisiting Corn Coast again um, 
especially after they they had so much success at, at the Great American Beer Fest and boy I think we couldn't have picked a better time yeah 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 I, I needed this. we needed to start on top of a hill yeah. You know, instead of <laughs> so we can just go tumbling down. No, I just you know we've been pushing the boulder up a hill for a yeah. few episodes now, and and you know in in Greek mythology the boulder keeps rolling down, but this this beer feels like the boulder kind of gets to the top of the hill, top of the mountain. Yeah, it's an amazing beer. Yeah, tell us um, tell us about your thoughts on on modern melody this well, this hazy pale ale. Yeah, well, first of all, the, it's a hazy pale ale, right? It's not a hazy IPA, which is um, a lot easier to find. So the fact that it's a pale, I think, I think it kind of like it calms down a little bit of the aggression of the hops and the bitterness, um, mellows it out. I think it allows the the beer to shine through. So the hops are great; they're they're nice and they're they're citrusy, uh, obviously because it's citra. Um, good tropical notes to it, but the the beer stands out to me too. I think there is a nice, just a little bit of a bready quality. Um, which I guess you would say is like the backbone of it, um, which I'm really enjoying. I got to say, it's it's been three years of us describing beers, and uh, that was a really nice description. I think you did a great job of really nailing that. I'm trying to live up to, <laughs> live up to um, everything that you've ever said about beer. I know, but like you, you so kind of well. you took the words right out of my mouth. Those tropical notes. There's you know there's the coconut, there's pineapple, there's there's orange in here, and then you talk about that backbone that's in there. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you kind of nailed it. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, I, it's, it's just a phenomenal fucking, like you can see how it wins an award. And I, and if I'm not mistaken, I know they won two, two silvers. I think this was the one, um, that was the largest, had the most entrance. Oh really? One, yeah. One of them that they won, it was the most, it was like 300 and some 350 some beers or something like that, that they were competing against, which is, <laughs> that's insane. That is a lot of beers. Um, and this is, yeah. And they, um, you know, Corn Coast wants to be known for their, for their IPAs. Um, and I mean, they're knocking it out of the park. Uh, they really. just had to drop a letter and they now just... they got the PAs and, and these <laughs> yeah. PAs are excellent too. Yeah. Yeah. So. I mean, I'm a huge fan. I, I, the one thing that I would add to your description is the mouthfeel on this. It's very velvety. It's very smooth, mm-hmm. which isn't something that you go into a pale ale or an IPA or, or anything kind of in that category that's going to be so hot forward expecting to find that type of, of mouthfeel, that velvety, creamy finish. And this delivers on that too. And I, I think that surprised me the most uh, drinking this beer. It wasn't so much the flavor because we know what Corn Coast is, is capable of flavor-wise. But then to add, you know, kind of the mouthfeel experience on top of that, I really think elevates this beyond just your typical, you know, pale ale that's that's hopped or something along those lines. So. Yeah. I mean, cheers to those guys. Thank them. Uh, thank you to them for their service as well on, on Veterans Day weekend. I think it's important to shout that out. Thank you to all of our listeners who have family members, friends, or themselves uh, were service members or are service members who served. Um, this is kind of a, a nice reminder of, of all of that uh, to be featured and focused on Corn Coast because of their background, but also to just, I guess, give thanks. Like this, is, this is a beer that makes me like introspective. You know what I mean? Like that's <laughs> yeah. a good beer. Yeah. How do you describe that drinking experience? It's like if something you drink makes you you know grateful yeah that's a pretty damn good thing i'm gonna write that that. on my judge's notes (laughs) (laughs) made made me feel grateful love it all right well before we move on to talk about uh i can't my mouth can't even say the words (laughs) to to talk about that um we want to take a quick moment to talk about our very special show partner the nebraska craft brewers guild Longtime listeners of the show know wannabe walk-ons is the official podcast of the ncbg 
The Guild is a professional organization that protects the craft brewing industry in Nebraska. The Guild's main focus is to encourage folks of a legal drinking age to drink Nebraska beer, ciders, and seltzers through promotion, education, and events. The Guild is proud of the delicious brews being put out by the brewing industry and the economic and social impact they are making in their communities across the state of Nebraska. You can visit Nebraska.beer and check out the Guild's new website, which has excellent resources for finding Nebraska craft beer, cider, and seltzer near you. All right, Drew, time for us to uh, to pivot. And uh, I'm going to I'm going to hand the ball off to you and <laughs> I hope we can hold on to it. <laughs> Uh, oh, where, boy. where do you want to, you know, typically we kind of go high level and then we talk about the specifics. What's, what's kind of your, your first, uh, I was gonna say takeaway <laughs> <laughs> from, from this game. Like it, is, is it the obvious? Is there something that we're not seeing? Like where, where do you want to, you keep turning your paper back I, and over. Cause I'm trying to figure <laughs> out where the hell I want to start. I don't know, man. Um, we normally start like with the offense, um, for me, the for me the the thing that I'm fixated on with this game is the is the one play and the the interception by the uh, Purdy through. Yeah. Um, I I I can't I can't get enough of thinking about that play. Sure. In a in a terrible like a, in a can't look away from an accident like a car accident sort of way and trying to but also trying to like absorb as many opinions on it as possible and trying to find people who actually know what they're talking about. Well, I'm glad you're here. Um, yeah. <laughs> but just trying to like better understand like what like what what was that? Like sure. why um why did we do that? Yeah. Why did we throw the ball there? Why? And I can't I can't figure it out. Yeah. Nothing nothing I have seen um nothing I've heard from anybody has can justify that play call in my mind. Um and and it sucks because I mean it sucks for, because of what happened, but it sucks because like you you run the ball there and you don't get any yards. You kick the field goal. You're up thirteen to ten and you and you got what four minutes that your defense has to go out and win you the game. Like that, I, why, like why would you take that away from your defense? Yeah, I think it actually would, would have been you, like three and a half minutes. Even yeah, it's yeah. frustrating. Like it's it's not a lot of time. No, why would you take that away from them? Like yeah. what an incredible opportunity to like guys. You just drove fucking ninety yards with your third string with your third string quarterback in the sh- in a sh- in a day that's everything's gone to shit and huge like. huge plays on that drive too right the pass to Kemp the scramble by Purdy yes. the big run by Emmett just the energy man like that like I had I had not felt so much like joy like I I I I was jumping up I spilled my coffee on my fucking carpet. Jumping up, I'm so mad. What, what time I did you like, wake up that you were drinking coffee at three? I woke up at I, I got out of bed at like ten forty five. I slept in pretty hard. I was I was up. Did late. you have a good Friday? I had a I had a really nice Friday. <laughs> <laughs> I had too nice of a Friday. But I did I had a nice enough Friday where I was still actually able to get up for an eleven o'clock game, like right on time. Yeah. Um and I was drinking coffee through the game. I was I was sober. Um through the game. You were the, sober through, through the, the game. game, yeah. That, and I'm, it would have sobered me up anyway, but, um, it, yeah, it was just, it was that whole drive. It was, it was electrifying. Like yeah. what Purdy brought to that game, seemingly out of nowhere. Um, and, and it was, and like, just take the fucking points, man. Like take the points. 13 to 10 was enough. It was enough for Maryland. It probably would have been enough for us. And even if it wasn't, um, even if Maryland ended up driving down the field and scoring, you know, the touchdown to, to, 
to end it. Like, at it, least you gave your fucking team a chance. I, I also think that if you take the three points and Maryland goes down and scores, it changes the narrative, mm. right? You know, yeah. even, even if Maryland walks out of this game with a 17 to 13 win, it changes the narrative. It, it goes from a team unable to execute or a poor play call that came in where it shouldn't have been or whatever the, the cause, you know, whatever blame you want to put on that third down call. It goes from being a narrative of that to we put in our third string quarterback. Our back was up against the wall. The team went out and tried to win the game. They did what they needed to do to get points on the board to take the lead late. Our defense went out there. They had to make a stop. And a defense that's been rescuing this offense time after time after time again, we just saw the 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 chink in the armor, right? We saw the breakdown. If it was a 17 to 13 yeah. win and that'd be, for that, Maryland. That would have yeah. been okay because because Maryland was a team that was putting up over 30 points a game on average. Yeah. Um, they had the wind at their backs. Yep. They're a team that is built to march down. We saw it. They, they can fly down the field. We, yeah. they, and I, we get that. I know that. And so, but that shouldn't come into play when you're thinking about everything else involved. And so, I, yeah, you could have at that point said, hey, Maryland came, came back and they won the game, but they won, but they won it. And we did everything that we needed to do to win it. Like, I don't think there was any need for for them to be so aggressive where it's like we need this touchdown sure to win you don't need the fucking touchdown to win that game so let me let me ask you this if if you can are you able to kind of put yourself back in as a as a fan as a viewer in that it's second down Emmett Johnson just ran the ball now we're you know eight yards back we lost a couple of yards on that run and before the play call goes in are you dead set on like this has to be a run or if we run that third down play and it converts to Malachi or to Kemp for a touchdown, like does that, does that change your perspective on that? If we had scored, if we had scored, um, I mean maybe a little bit, but I don't, I don't think I, you don't dissect it the way that you do now. Okay. So you you ready for my, my old adage that I've been on for, three years is that, that we've been doing this yeah. is the difference between decision-making and results, right? Yeah. Cause had that gone through and scored a touchdown, would it have been a good decision to run that play? And I'm, I'm still of the answer of no, I don't think it would have been right. I think taking the points in that situation is the right decision. And the result of that play was a result of poor decision-making, not a result of poor execution. Yeah. Right. We should have never put this team in that situation. And, and that's, that's my big takeaway from this of, of the frustration is like, it's not that, you know, I've, I've been a defender of sat it's on the record. It's been uploaded to the internet. Like I'm here for what he wants to bring to this offense. And he wants to bring a team that can run the ball, but also pass and be effective. He wants a dual threat quarterback who has an arm and can use his legs to get out of a situation, but also be effective so that teams have to account for that. Like none of that is, is a secret. But he wants a quarterback who can effectively throw the ball and efficiently throw the ball. Rule and Satterfield together have been calling these sequences all throughout the season where they're trying to get their quarterbacks to execute at a higher level than they are showing on the field. We've talked about that too, that you can see these developmental opportunity drives. We're like midway through a game. We're feeling like we've got the field position maybe off of a turnover or uh, via a good return on special teams or or something like that where the ball is at maybe the the 40-yard line and there's 60 yards to go. So we're going to throw three passes and see if this team can execute, right? Yeah. That makes sense. And that you you can understand that like this is this is going to pay dividends in the future 
for this team if they are in these situations and they can execute like that's confidence that can then go on into the next game uh, the next season what have you my frustration with that call is nothing about that was a developmental opportunity 100 percent. nothing about that was a chance for this team to grow when the alternative was you run the ball you kick the field goal you go up by three and like at some point you've got to go okay i get that we're playing for the future but what about right now what about all the seniors on the offensive side of the ball? All of the uh, the entire defensive roster who's been like carrying this team, like all of that was just forgotten for a play call that felt gratuitous. That felt like we're gonna try and outsmart this team when it's like they they Maryland was intercepting the ball literally on their ass. There was an interception <laughs> where the defender for Maryland was sitting on the ground and the ball came into his lap. Yeah, like wh- why why make that decision? And, and I don't think if we convert, it's still it's not a good decision if, even if that ball converts. Yeah, I agree with that. Because honestly, the way Johnson was running, every like third run, he was busting for 8, 11, 29 yards. Like, yeah, he was dude, finding his he, groove. He runs, he runs violently. So when there is contact, he, he, and per, and he protects the ball. It. He has one fumble on the year. Um, that he's lost, which for this team is he, actually like negative seventeen points. <laughs> so that's that's good for a fucking that's good for a win, like he, he and and yeah and and when he when he finds the hole like he hits it and he's gone and he and again you don't you just don't need the touchdown there and and if you want to talk about like the opportunity for like developing and and um, getting this team prepared for the future one you just essentially you fucked yourself out of those fifteen extra practices. You know, like you had a you had a not a not quite guaranteed you know win, but as close as you've been to getting that sixth yeah. win, and and you had an opportunity to give give your uh, your entire team a chance to go to march down the field, get the get the go ahead score, and then protect the lead in crunch time with yeah. a lot on the line. Like that's an opportunity to develop and learn for yeah, your team. Absolutely. And 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 so they blew it. And so I'm just I'm I'm upset by that. I'm very fucking mad about it. I'm mad. I'm very upset. I'm and, Yeah. You know what gives me what gives me confidence in this in this moment and what gives me a little bit of solace in in that kind of frustration and in that anger and in that just, you know, you being mad is I think that this is finally a coaching staff that goes, yeah, they have the right to be. Right? Like the fans matter as much to this team as anything else like they're the ones who have been around and have kind of fought through this and Matt Rule's been on the record saying like I'm so grateful for our fans we need to be better for the people who continue to show up and continue to support this team so I feel like we have a coaching staff that will learn from this I just wish they'd stop learning on my time (laughs) (laughs) you know like yeah is is that fair to say I mean is that they learned they had other coaching stops where they could have learned some of these fucking (laughs) lessons man um, there's, there's a couple of points though, that I want to, that, that you made that I thought were excellent. And I want to kind of pick, pick a few of those to, to expand upon as well. Um, I had asked, you know, let's say Maryland goes down and, and Nebraska's up 13, 10, and then Maryland goes down and scores 17. I, I think the, the storyline is still like, Hey, we've got someone in Chubba Purdy who might be someone they can continue to work on as a transition quarterback. I think he's got maybe one year of eligibility left because of the COVID season. Because uh, I know he played two at FSU. He's been at Nebraska for two seasons now. So he, I think he has one year left, um, depending on how his, how he redshirts out. Maybe it's, maybe it's two years left. I'm not, I'm not exactly sure on how those numbers work. Um, but so I think COVID kind of fucked all the numbers. It's, yeah. it's insane to try and, and track. transferring it's, and all that. It's, it's, it's difficult to track for me yeah. week <laughs> after week of who is going to be on the field for the opponent. 
to even keep track of our own. <laughs> but I but uh, I think your storyline is is actually positive after that last drive if you don't put the quarterback in that situation to make a mistake. Now I don't think that that's on Purdy. I don't think that 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 mistake is. It's not because look like look what he's okay. Yeah, again he's third string. Um, he's not probably getting been, been getting a lot of reps. And he in looked practice. like a fucking stud. You got, yeah, you got Malachi Coleman, who's a true freshman, um, who's only come on late because of injury. And then you got Billy Kemp, who's just transferred in and coming um, off of an and injury. coming off of injury. And like, in a, again, in a high pressure situation, he's got, and it's these are guys that just haven't played together like yeah. ever. Yeah. And so, of course, there's going to be a fucking miscue. Like, whether it was Coleman pulling up, whether it was Purdy, you know, throwing the ball too soon or, or whatever it was, like, it's like, duh, it's going to fucking happen. Of course, that's going to happen yeah. there. But, but I think if that play gets taken out, if yeah. Nebraska scores three points and yes. Maryland still comes back and win, you can at least say it's still, it's it's still, still a positive narrative. It's positive, right? More than it, it, than it is look, now. Look at what this team continued to overcome. They put themselves in a chance to win the game. They took the points. They had the lead with three minutes left. And we relied on a defense where, frankly, we relied on them too much throughout the game. And Maryland went out and did what they had to do to win the game. Yeah, because if you were given a choice going into this game and it was, hey, would you rather try to win this game with Purdy trying to score a touchdown um, on a 90-yard drive or the defense trying to stop Maryland from scoring a touchdown with a three-point lead and three and a half minutes left? Like, you're going to take the fucking defense every fucking time. Yeah. So what? It's... uh. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. All right. I've vented. I've vented enough. Let's go. Let's move. I'm ready to move on. <laughs> <laughs> are there, are there any other, uh, I mean, I, I think that, uh, specifically in that last drive, I want to, mm-hmm. I want to just stick on the offense just for, for I'm, another No, second. I'm happy to, uh, there's more I want to say about the offense. Okay, That's cool. Stuff, yeah. So we're, we're done talking about that, that play and that sequence. Yeah. That, um, I want to, I want to throw out, um, I was very impressed with Purdy. Yeah. Um, throughout that situation and and I think the most impressive play that Purdy made and it's it, it in in the presser um, it maybe had a little bit of a negative connotation on it but that first and goal play where he pulled the ball where it was supposed to be a run to Emmett Johnson he pulled the ball might have seen something that made him think this is going to blow up the play I'm going to try and see if I can make something out of it he did something that we haven't seen a Nebraska quarterback do which is backpedal get away and throw the ball away and I was like there's there's something here that maybe we can at least exploit for the next game or two games and see if it's something that just changes the dynamic um, and give give an opportunity here to just see because I feel like at this point win lose or draw like now's the time to do what rule does in year one which is give young guys opportunity to see what they can bring to the table Yep. I think you owe it to your seniors and juniors that came back for this year that could have moved on, could have transferred, could have done those things. But it was kind of like a, we want to do it here. We want to win here, coach, sort of thing. And Rule said, hey, stick with me and we'll we'll do what we can to win. Like, you owe it to those guys to to forget the the rest of what this means for next year and, like, put everything you can into winning one of these next two games. Yeah. And, and that moment, that decision quality for Purdy in that instance was like, okay, this is a guy who's willing to battle another down. Yeah. I marked that play down too as like as a, an important one. Cause I think a lot of people were after the game were questioning that play too. Like, what would you pass on? I don't think it wasn't a pass. It was a run. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, and he did pull it. And he was he was right to pull it in the sense that like Emmett was going to get lit up and lose a couple yards. Like the whole fucking line was collapsed um in the middle. And yeah, there were just two defenders um, just hot on, on the, the edge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, I mean they were because they were probably, you know, ready for the for the option. 
And um, and he did. He made the right decision. He didn't take a sack. He he got out of it and he threw it away. Yeah, he got he outside of the pocket and threw it away. Got even. a pass get away from the intentional and grounding. He, and he didn't try and do too much, which no. is what we've seen Nebraska quarterbacks doing, right? Trying to put the game on their shoulders and win it with a single play. Yeah, when winning a game is a culmination of making smart decisions, play after play. And that's something preached by this coaching staff, right? Like live to fight another down. Sometimes you just got to throw it away. Even even Satterfield is like, yeah, sometimes we know when it's third and long. This is a league you play for the punt, right? Put yourself in a position to just have a nice punt. Um, and it's it's worked out for some teams to that be their entire <laughs> offensive strategy. Just punt the fucking ball. Yeah. So I wanted to call out Purdy on that last drive, just the decision quality, the effort he gave. Um, I you you said that, you know, you were jumping up and down. This this is slightly embarrassing. I was sitting on my couch watching the game and I got emotional. Like I had I had tears in my eyes and that final drive of like, oh my God, you know, we're we're gonna we're finally about to do it. Like there was there was almost this like sigh of relief that was coming over my and I was like, hold on, let the game finish. <laughs> and then sure enough, instead of sitting on the edge of my seat, I was lean back, my my you know, my knees were higher than my head, like I staring at the ceiling, <laughs> just couldn't couldn't take it anymore. Um but God damn it, if I'm not geared up for six days from now, you know, to do it, I know to, to just jump right back it on the horse back in, um, other guys that I really liked, uh, I thought, you know, obviously Kemp had a, had a decent game, uh, but Emmett Johnson is turning into kind of the highlight of this offense. And, um, I can't wait for the day where he finally gets the 25 to 30 carries a game that we all want to see him have and, and see what kind of a 125 yard performance he can put out there and, and see how that maybe makes this team more dynamic in the passing mm-hmm. game that that uh, apparently Satterfield wants to to run a little bit more. Yeah, I'm. I, yeah, and I wondered about like what why his carries are capped where they are. Um, if it's just to protect when you're you, when you you're sh- think, when right? you're short on on running backs when when Fleeks has become your number two essentially and looking pretty decent as a number two option. Yes, yeah, he, yeah, he he has looked good. I mean, considering where he started, um, not just his career but just this year, right? Yeah. And, um. Uh, but he's very, but he's very much like a. You'd get him to the outside and see if he can find the edge running back. He's yeah. not traditional at all. Sure. Um. And yeah, Emmett Johnson could be utilized in that way. And so if, if part of it, like I said, it feels like they're just trying to protect him, keep him fresh. They understand his importance to this team. Um. So yeah, so I've I've appreciated though what we have gotten out of him, and I'll take as many carries as they're willing to give him. Um. A couple other things I wanted to note: there was only one sack allowed. In this game, that's on my list too. Um, yep. Zero penalties committed by the offense. Amazing for the second game in a row. Amazing, it's incredible. How can you? I mean, how can you not consider that growth? Yeah. Right, the way that this team—if it wasn't penalties in the last few years, it was turnovers, and if it wasn't turnovers, it was penalties. Sometimes Ob- it was both. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously, <laughs> yeah. this year we're dealing with with turnovers. That's that's you know, it's spoken and it's unspoken and we all know what's going on. You can't win the game with five turnovers, even when the other team's committing three. But the fact that Nebraska committed one penalty for 15 yards the entire game when Maryland was, did they, did they break a hundred? It was pretty damn close. It, I think was, it was like, yeah, it was, it was 97 like yards Michigan or something Michigan like that. State did. I mean, yeah, they were just getting just an insane amount. And, and I think that was in addition to the defense, a way that Nebraska stayed in that game is Maryland oh, was playing undisciplined football. Yeah, they had some very, um, very, very poorly timed penalties, like ones that just like nullified some big plays yeah. on both sides of the ball for them. So, um, yeah, that was huge. And then, um, you know, we talked about 
this is a little bit of the defense, but the defense needing to get turnovers to contribute um, to help kind of balance back out that turnover margin. And this is a game where we saw them get those turnovers and it generated 10 points. It gave us short field position in a game where our offense was struggling to move the ball. And so, yeah, all 10 of our points came off of turnovers. And so... Um, 13 of them. Good should have been 13. Could have, should have been more. <laughs> uh, good for... Good for the offense, though, to at least in those situations, you know, capitalize to an extent. They, yeah. you, know, you would have liked to obviously see two touchdowns, but touchdown and a field goal, um, not to completely blow the opportunity was something. Yeah. So, um, going back to one of your points, the the singular sack, the offensive line has um, slowly and quietly been improving all season long, and it's you know it's it's easy to blame the offensive line when quarterback play hasn't been great. But I don't think that's fair this season. They've I've, had a lot. They've had so many clean pockets. And even, like, yeah, throwing interceptions with clean pockets. Yeah. You know, so. Guys are able to climb in that pocket, find, you know, the time to throw the ball. It's it's not like they're just throwing these quick little, you know, out routes and those are getting picked off. Like, these are deep balls downfield where there's there's time. Guys aren't being hit. They're clean. They're able to throw. Yeah. Um, and running lanes are opening up as well, you know. Uh, I, I think I saw was Nebraska second in the Big Ten for um, yards before contact yeah. uh, when it comes to that offensive line performing as well. And and so, like, quietly, this offensive line has developed with some consistency at, at coaching, you know, and that, that credit goes to Rayola. And, and uh, you know, Rule said there's how many guys on this coaching staff who've coached offensive line. So, you know, we would hope that they're working together to improve. But whatever's going on, I think that there's a nice building block uh, with some forward momentum for that offensive line. And this was another game where um, that was there. And that's almost why it's even more frustrating, right? When guys <laughs> aren't getting hit in the backfield and like things aren't being disrupted at the line of scrimmage yeah. for turnovers to happen. Um, that's where the frustration comes up. Yep. I agree. Yeah. Okay. Anyone else on offense that you want to, you want to, uh, you know, I, I mean, know. nice to see Janiron Bonner get a touchdown. That was awesome. You know, you know what, you know what I noticed? This is this is a an off topic gripe. Um, <laughs> yeah. Peacock sucks. Can we can we say that? Yeah, we can yeah. because they're not listening. Not beholden. To Wouldn't it be funny if they're a sponsor? <laughs> <laughs> um, hated the broadcast. Yeah, I thought the announcers were not good. Uh, I don't even know who they are. But when Janarin Bonner scored the touchdown, they never said his name, and I thought, are they avoiding it because they're worried they're going to mispronounce Bonner? Or <laughs> there, it's a it's a. They're peacock. Like they can know, say but, Bonner and get away. But did they, or did they just not have a fullback written down as a scoring option That's in the year of our Lord 2023? <laughs> because they're like, well, it's they not an Iowa They're covering game. the Big Ten. That's you can't true. pick up the Big Ten and not know your fullbacks. So I was really frustrated there. And then my, my final note is, why the fuck am I paying for Peacock if there's commercials? That's a good, yeah. Why? why? Well, I know there's a lot of streaming things that we, you pay for that are still, they slip in like a little, like, your next blah, present, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And it's 30 second ad and then you get it for quote unquote free or whatever. But, okay. Yeah. But this isn't that. Peacock was like <laughs> a straight up normal broadcast of a game that was not mm-hmm. being broadcast on another service. This was Peacock only, right? So it's not like this was an NBC broadcast that was also available on Peacock. Yeah. This was a fucking peacock stream and i paid money to watch this dumb game <laughs> and i had to sit through commercials did and you I, have to sit through the same commercials over and over again 
I were they always remember. the same? Okay. I don't remember. I do. I mean, that's that's the one thing that I do not like about streaming games. Is well, did you I, watch the game too? I, well, yeah, no, but I stream. I stream all the games. Like mine are all streamed on on like through Amazon, the Fire Stick, right? So like. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, I have YouTube TV. I stream all my games too. But. Yeah, but so it's just it was the same to me. It was the same. It's the, the same, same process. Thing. That's that's as always. That's fine, but like, that's a cable service. Right, like you have Hulu Live, or do you have YouTube yeah. TV? Okay, so that's a cable service. You're paying a cable service, and so there's commercials there. But now okay. I'm, I'm pay I've, I pay for my cable service, which is my YouTube TV, uh-huh. and then I paid an additional Peacock streaming account. I think your selling point for Peacock should be when you're on Peacock, there are no commercials, and the game is played at a normal pace, mm-hmm. where there's no TV breaks, and so it's just like the game, like. Why? Why am I paying extra? Do you think that? Do you think that coaches and teams would appreciate that, or do you think they like having those like two and a half, three minute breaks every once in a while, just to like catch the breath or go over some some stuff? I I don't like it, and I know. so I, <laughs> but so well, so my suggestion would be instead of going to if you want to get rid of ads, just do like a do the broadcast, do the broadcast, or do you or just pop stats onto the onto the. Or do replays. Or like, let me see the marching. Or, the replays sucked too. They were <laughs> terrible at showing replays consistently. Yeah. Like you, you watch a normal broadcast, and unless a team's doing a hurry up offense, like every play, you get to see the replay of that play. Like Peacock, it was like a roll of the dice whether or not you'd see a replay. Yeah. Um, I, especially like there was. Do you remember when Jeff Sims uh, fumbled the ball and then he was thrown off the pile by a Maryland player, and Matt Rule was really frustrated that there was a no call there. They did a great job of showing the replay right up until. And then they Jeff just Sims, what, yeah, and then they cut away. So, anyways, mm-hmm. Peacock's trash, yeah. and uh, I can't wait to have to watch another game <laughs> on it next I, year. My Peacock, so mine crapped out. Um, Jeff Sims was throwing the ball like he dropped back to pass, put his arm up, and then my screen went bloop, like off, and then I was back onto the Amazon the homepage, uh-huh. and I was fucking livid. <laughs> I was pissed. I was like, fuck, 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 fuck. And I, and I finally did a little, try to, uh, you know, do my whole thing, get it back on. And fucking Maryland had the ball. Well, you could put two and so two I was together. Like, yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. So I didn't know if that was a good thing. Oh, or a so bad you missed the I, one where they intercepted it sitting on their butt. Yeah. I, I completely missed that one. Um, and so, yeah, I, I couldn't decide if that was for the best or not. You know, maybe Peacock was trying to help me out there. Uh, your your Amazon Fire Stick was like, if he sees this, he's going to break me. <laughs> it was self-preservation. That's yeah. AI at work. <laughs> all right. So uh, anyway, that's all I have on the offense and how shitty Peacock is. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> what about defense? defense? Defense did their job. I mean, they, they uh, did their job. They had some, they had a couple breakdowns um, in the past game. Um, they had the one penalty. Tommy Hill couldn't turn his head around. On that one, that's that a one bullshit penalty, just, by the way. Uh, I mean, I, I understood it because again, he didn't. He was his. He, you know, body on body, got to so turn around. I, fine, you can say that, but I don't agree with it. <laughs> <laughs> and and the reason I don't agree with it is during that play, that was a handsy play the entire way down. Maryland also had their hand on on Tommy Hill's kind of collar, and they were hand checking the entire battle down. Yeah, and it wasn't an egregious, you know, kind of trying to jump back and Tommy Hill's driving him away. It was. A bang bang play, and so I don't, I don't really agree with that one. You know, I'll, I'll give it up when it's when it's there. But that to me felt like a clean kind of. Yeah. Okay. Someone's got to win this game, and so <laughs> guys want to get home, and they're like, if this thing goes to overtime, it'll never end. And yeah, so that's fair. Um, 
Yeah, like I said, they they produced three turnovers. They helped generate those ten points. Um, they only gave up thirteen points with an offense that had five turnovers. Yeah, but insane. I'm, that's I mean that's uh, that's wild. They 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 never really broke. Like like they were bound. You're bound to give up points. Like Maryland was bound to move the ball. They're bound to have some good drives and and to have some explosive plays. Like they have an incredible quarterback, mm-hmm. um, who's who, you know, the, the offensive line gives up pressure and gives up sacks, but like. Tal, 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 I always say his name wrong. I want to say Talia, but it's not. It's Talia. Talia, Talia always. Um, he's mobile. He can, he can escape, and and he's got a lot of weapons to to get the ball to. And he did a great job. And they did a good job of countering the blitz all game long with little screens and just yeah, you know, quick outs. Um, and but Nebraska on the old, you know, they they contained it. They gave up zero yards rushing in the first half, which was insane. Um, even more insane, maybe, is that Maryland still finished with 101 yards rushing. Yeah, they kind of gouged. You know, like they started to late. they started to chip off some some yeah some nice runs. That um, Hemby Hemby kind of runs like Mockaby. Did you notice that? Uh-uh. There were a couple of runs where he was kind of flailing. Was like, was I was like, like oh, that was sweet. Cam yeah, Porter I think he had a fumble uh, though too though didn't he? Yes, he Cam Porter old, for yeah. Northwestern yesterday mm-hmm. also had a couple of uh, Mockaby runs. It's like man, that's yeah. shit's contagious. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> um. The good was that they, they put them in a lot of bad third down situations, but yeah. they also gave up a lot of conversions on those third and longs, um, which got a little frustrating. And then they only, again, they only got the one sack. They did that delayed corner blitz, which, so was, which was beautiful, good. right? And it was nice to see Buford, you know, get I that mean, after. He timed that um, up. Oh, Chef's yeah. kiss, which beautiful. Is, yeah, right? Like if you're going to blitz all game and they're going to counter with screens, you delay your blitz and they don't see you coming off the edge of that. I was fucking, it was brilliant. And I mean, um, watching at home, it was like, oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> he doesn't know it. he's coming. <laughs> you could see it coming. It was, yeah, that was a good one. So, um, again, like, yeah, this was a, um, it was a great defensive game yeah. again. Um, it it would have been nice to see, you know, what they could have done on that last drive with the with a three point lead. Yeah. Um, because I know you know Maryland was obviously they were playing that last drive on offense too get the field goal. Mm-hmm. They were not going for the touchdown. And so just, they were moving the ball. Um, you know, if, if they had had to take shots at the end zone, you know, who knows, who knows what we would have ended up with. But, uh, <sighs> yeah. Um, names to shout out. Got any, got any, I got a few. Yeah. I mean, uh, it, it all starts up front, right? Uh, Williams had another nice game. Nash had a great game. Ty Robinson was a monster out there. Yeah. Um, I think you can't skip this game without talking about Buddha. Javin Wright had a had a wonderful game, forcing two turnovers, uh, allowing Ty Robinson to come up with I think two fumble or no, what was it? Buddha forced the first fumble and then he forced the second one. Ty Robinson got the tip on the interception. Yeah, Omar had the other one. Yeah, he stripped and recovered his own. Just just a, a an insane effort late in that game, and and it was one of those things where as you're as you're watching the defense play, you're you're seeing how these guys play as a team right one guy gets wrapped up and gets the sure tackle and then the next guy comes in and forces the ball out like you can see the development you can see the growth and then you can also see these guys playing with fire in their bellies knowing that something has to happen right now this is on us to make something happen and they're going out and playing with pride to make that shit happen and then to come out you know and and hold the ball in the air and then like ty robinson had one where he pulls the ball out and he's running to the side sidelines and he gets to the sidelines and and then as soon as he hits that sideline and sees his coaches, he's done celebrating. He flips the ball over his shoulder and he's ready. Like his mind is now set. Like, okay, I did my job there, but I gotta, I'm gonna have to turn around and do my job again. Like, mm. there's that mentality, that Terminator mentality, yeah. where it's like 
there's there's little time for celebration because we got a job to do. Yeah. And and I have confidence that this defense is is not going to show quit. You know, if nothing else, the rest of the season, we're going to get to see two more great defensive performances um, the next the next two weeks. Um, but those guys right up front, I think, is, is where it all starts. Um, and then, yeah, it was great to see Buford back. Um, Tommy Hill, I, I'm always a fan of Tommy Hill playing. Again, I don't hold that pass interference. I think that pass interference is bullshit. I'll, I'll <laughs> die on that mountain. I thought it was a good play. So what if he didn't turn his head around? Like his arms were up. The guy was bullshit. Anyways, who else, who do you want to call out? Because I'm going to keep getting frustrated <laughs> thinking about that pass interference. No, you you mentioned a lot of names. The other one, the only one I had was Jamari Butler. Yeah. Um, is again, he was just he was just around, um, making a lot of tackles and and heavily involved and. Um, but yeah, you covered all the other ones, I think. So, um, yeah, just, uh, always fun. Um, (laughs) (laughs) they are the defense this season has always been fun to watch. Um, and, and I just, I love, I love when Nash imposes his will, especially when he gets like double teamed and he still is just barreling down. Um, Ty Robinson, I think has really emerged as well. You know, he's, he's been poised for a couple a breakout season for a year and a half now. Yeah. And this season he's really turned on the jets uh, and, and just the, the kind of development we're seeing to have guys like Williams show up and um, have these guys whose names we didn't know in the preseason be guys who are getting key snaps and are making crucial plays to keep these guys in, in the game um, to keep this team in the game is, is, is a testament to the kind of growth uh, that we should be seeing moving forward. And, and that those are the kind of things you can hang your hat on and go, okay, Rule said he's going to be a defensive team. He's going to be a defense first team. Got the defense figured out, and then we're going to turn our attention to the offense. I'm sure. And so let's let's see how that growth looks in a year's time mm-hmm. uh, before the sky starts to fall. Yeah, you know. So I don't know. Yeah. One uh, one more thing, we would be remiss not to mention the fact that Quentin Newsom did not play in this game. He did not, and it and didn't miss a beat. Next man up. Yeah, they, you know, I, they I, rotate guys in that secondary, and you know, and and and. Again, this is a team that that throws the ball, and and they they were decent. You know, they you know two hundred eighty three yards for Tagovailoa, and um, Jashawn Jones had as many yards as our entire team did combined. So, uh, oh, which that. is not a lot. Like it's eighty. I mean, eighty six yards. <laughs> it's good it's, for one it's receiver. Bad it's either way, horrendous. <laughs> it's, there, there's not. <laughs> there's no good. There, yeah, it, it it doesn't matter if his numbers are high or low. It it is not. It's good. bad in some way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, Newsom's like he's your he's your number one corner, right? And he's a he's a veteran leader, and um, so to be able to just again rotate guys out and should be back position, this week though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never heard what it was. The shoulder injury. Shoulder. Okay. Yep. It was. Uh, uh, I think Rule said it in either. I think it was his post game presser. He said that it was a shoulder injury, but he should be back this week. Nice. Which okay. is good. I was too sad to watch any post game anything. So I had a very I, I it was one of those where I turned it on and off for a long time. Yeah. Like I was like, okay, I can take a little more. Okay, I can take a little more. Okay, is it done yet? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Man, I um you know, that said, I feel for players that have to get up on the podium after a game like that. Yeah. And have to talk to the media. I don't know how you do that. Honestly, like, I mean, I know it's a little bit of like, you gotta, gotta do it. It's what you signed up for. And I like, understand that, but man, like, uh, to be able to, to like, to have to, to have to face, um, people and face these questions, uh, immediately after 
or very shortly after before you can even process like I'm not even good at this. I suck at this. I'm still angry at something that like doesn't even fucking matter. Technically doesn't matter to my, me at all. Right. Like I know um, no control, no investment in it other than my own whatever I was willing to put in emotionally. And I'm still fucking lit up over yeah. this, you know. And so, yeah. Anyway, kudos to those guys for for doing that. Um, special teams. I mean, we got to talk about fake punts fake whenever punt. they happen. Yeah, Bo Kircher. Yeah. Bo Ricker. Yeah. <laughs> Gus Johnson's favorite. Nat, Nat Bo Ricker. <laughs> um, yeah, that was that was a wild play. What a gutsy, gutsy play. Um, Ed Foley. And perfect Man. timing. They, I, I'm assuming that they, they probably saw like they had some sort of alignment where they were able to catch the edge there. Yeah. Um, who, who, uh, who was it? I didn't write it down. Who was it that had the block? Do you remember who had the block on the edge? It was somebody that had it. Um, I don't. Oh, fuck. I had, I wrote it down somewhere a long time ago, and I wish I remembered now because I want to give that person credit. But um, somebody sealed the sealed the edge with the block there that that got Bowricker Bo the yeah <laughs> the, the eleven yards or whatever. And um, yeah, it was just a it that was, was a, a thing of beauty, and that was a potential um, you know early momentum shift, right? Um, that was unfortunately just, you know, in an, in an alternate universe, we would have definitely taken advantage of, yeah. is that what you're saying? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we don't need to talk about what happened two plays later. It wasn't, um, it was a good fake though. I mean, it wasn't one where they barely got it. It was kind of a, yeah, it was there. It was nice. It was there for the taking right and, and they and took they, it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, special teams is a weapon. They're going to, they're going to figure out a way, I guess, to, to make that work one way or another. Yeah. Um, so that was nice. Uh, Bushini only had a couple punts. He probably would have had more, except for you know five turnovers. Um, he did okay. I don't like nothing. Nothing there that like never really flipped the field. Um, on a day with with the wind, uh, I guess there's always opportunity for for wind to play a factor. And I think it did a little bit. I think it. Elvon only had the one field goal, but I think yeah. that they decided not to go for a field goal at one point. Yeah, rule said they weren't going to kick anything going into the wind longer than forty. Yeah, and I think the. Uh, one was would have been like a forty six or a forty seven yarder, just outside, just outside that yeah, range. And they and, didn't convert, and and I I can understand you know field position being a thing. You, you got to be mindful of that. Uh, again, this this staff has talked about like field position is something that we have to take more seriously when we're playing at home in the conditions with the wind and stuff like that, and uh, in this league. So I can understand that, but gosh, you, you kind of think if you steal three points earlier in the game, I don't know. I, I don't like to think back like, oh, if we'd have gotten those three points, then we would have still gotten all the other 10 we scored. You know, I think there was some urgency that this defense came out with at halftime. Like, we've got to get some shit going. And you listen to, like, the radio broadcast um, coming out of halftime, and they were all about, this is the most important drive, and Nebraska goes three and out to start the half. And you're like, <laughs> oh, well, shit. Right. <laughs> but then, you know, the, the defense comes out and goes, okay, if this is going to be on us, we're going to do things on our terms, mm-hmm. which, you know, bring things full circle is, again, is why it's so frustrating they weren't given the opportunity to go out and do things on their own terms. And, yep. I, and I think that, you know, Rule said in the post game that they wanted to throw that pass because they were thinking touchdown or incomplete, right? And then they were going to kick the field goal. But, like, if you're if you're thinking or incomplete, to me that, again, feels like you're playing not to lose as opposed to playing to win. And so I think that there's just there's still growth for this coaching staff, too, in these situations. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that, especially when you've got a, a leader who coaches with humility and talks about how the best thing that happened to his coaching career was getting fired from Carolina and having to learn that experience. I think that um, these kind of games and losing three games this season by a combined nine points or three points each game, I don't think that it's going to just disappear, right? Like those are, those are lessons that are going to be learned and, and moving forward. Like I think the next time we're in that situation, 
we're going to see a different attack right because the defense is going to i hope we still <laughs> i know you took a damn deep breath there i uh, yeah, i hope no, i hope we see growth we've been through that right yeah so um okay the last thing i'll leave you with is a funny little anecdote i love anecdotes so you you were having a, dif- a difficult time you know saying talia tagovailoa yeah yeah and i was watching the game my wife and i um had runs up for lunch we had got runs at halftime so we're sitting down here we're watching the game and um they say Tagovailoa, my wife goes, that name sounds familiar. And I was like, yeah. She goes, I think, I think there's someone else that has that, that name. I go, tell me more. <laughs> She's like, is there, is there a quarterback uh, in the NFL that also has the name Tagovailoa? I go, yeah. She goes, oh, are they related? I go, yeah. <laughs> how, how many Tagovailoas do you think there are? <laughs> And she goes, oh, are they, are they, like, are they brothers? I go, you got it. You nailed it. <laughs> Dad and son. Yeah. 50-year-old <laughs> quarter. That's, no, I'm impressed. She, she, because I, I don't know, how much does she follow football? Religiously. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think so, right? So. No, uh, I mean, the, the Dolphins are on a fair amount, yeah, you know, and they're, they're fun to watch. And when offenses are fun to watch, they tend to work their way onto a broadcast that's nationwide. And like, um, you know, I, I follow the NFL, but I'm not a, a devout, I'm a Lions fan, so... Like I tend to watch other teams, <laughs> um, but I like to I like to watch games with with good quarterback play. You know, Lamar Jackson and uh, Patrick Mahomes and uh, to Lee attack or to attack of Iloa, <laughs> yeah. uh, where you know the the game is more fun to watch when you're not at Jalen Hurts. Another one where mm. you know you see this fun quarterback play and it's inconsequential. Yeah, for you. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, As a Bears fan, I wouldn't know anything about, about decent quarterback about play. Good quarterback play. Oh, we did beat the Panthers. You did, but who yeah. hasn't? Well. Yeah, well, no, I mean, that's, you know, it's another loss for Matt Rule. Yeah, that's, his fault. put that on his record. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, let's let's wash our hands of this Maryland game. Obviously, Nebraska falls to Maryland with a score of 13-10, to 10, moving uh, Maryland to 6-4 and four and Nebraska to 5-5 five and five on the year. Uh, but we're going to take a quick break. We're going to grab another beer, and when we come back, we're going to talk about Nebraska's next opportunity uh, to either get a free trip to Detroit, <laughs> Tennessee, maybe the Bahamas, who knows? Maybe they get to go play at Yankee Stadium. Oh, so pinstripe bowl. Yeah, we'll yeah. go. We'll grab a drink and then we'll come back and we'll talk some Wisconsin. All right, we are back for uh, the last of this for the season, which is our last sportsman sip moving forward, uh, and we are going to focus on a beer out of Wisconsin. We're going to raise a glass as Nebraska will travel this week to Madison, Wisconsin, uh, for their second-to-last, the penultimate game of the season. Drew, tell us, what are we enjoying? Yes, sir. All right, so we are drinking Honey's Honeys. This is a peanut butter and honey golden ale. It's from Oliphant Brewing um, out of Somerset, Wisconsin, which is um, just across from St. Paul, Minneapolis, sort of in that area, which is like just a fucking hotbed of of breweries. Yeah. Yeah. so yeah, Oliphant was one that um, I think just recently came to one of our um, local spots um, here in Omaha, and so uh, yeah, happened to see it on the shelf, decided to pick it up for the sportsman sip um, specifically, and this was just one that caught my eye just because peanut butter and honey are are like a solid combination, and I thought it was an interesting thing to maybe try to achieve in a beer. Yeah, um, kind of it'd be it's kind of like. Um, trying to run a spread offense at, at uh, Wisconsin. It's just yeah. an interesting idea. Um, well, I will say in this beer's credit, 
they're doing, it works. They're doing a lot. <laughs> they're doing a lot better than an old fickle up there. Yeah. Um. Yeah. This is a good. This is a good beer. It's it's very sweet. Um. It reminds me a little bit like it's just a peanut butter and honey sandwich, but like they do a really good job of pulling off the flavors. Um. Peanut butter is pretty pretty simple to you just throw in some some peanut butter to get that flavor but like honey to me is one that's like really hard to to get um just because of because of how it converts like honey is a sugar just straight up and so it converts to alcohol and so a lot of the times it loses that like residual sweetness and the flavor of it um and so you either have to dump a shitload in to try to like boost the flavor but then you're going to get a ton of alcohol which this beer doesn't i think it clocks like 5.6 yeah um or they did something. They did something magical, or they or some some combination of of that added honey with um you know whatever their base is, um their base malts are. So, yeah. What I what I like about this when you talk about that honey flavor is it doesn't just taste like honey from a, a you know a honey bear those little tiny plastic honey bears. It tastes like actual natural honey, mm-hmm. and I think that's where that residual flavor comes in. Where you're like, I don't lose the honey because you're actually tasting a real honey, not a honey product or a processed honey. Yeah, uh, and I think that makes all the difference because you get some of those like tea notes and some of those like leafy notes that you find in a in a honey. A floral note is coming through. Um, there is a a breadiness or a cakiness to this beer as well. We were arguing off the air as to whether or not <laughs> banana bread is is bread or a, a cake. I think it's a cake. Yeah, you I argue say it's, bread. You say it's bread because it doesn't have frosting. It's banana bread. It's not banana know, cake. But like you, the way Drew described this beer before we recorded, he goes, "It's like the banana bread without the, <laughs> the, the banana." And I was banana. like, "So it's bread." <laughs> it's a sweet bread. It's a sweet bread. Yeah, which is but cake. It, what yeah. is cake if not a sweet bread? There's there's a leavening agent. There's the, everything that's in cake is bread, except for like the yeast, right? Is that is that? And there's no yeast in banana bread. Look, we've got we've got. <laughs> 45 minutes. I, I say yeah. we don't talk about Wisconsin. We just talk about... We, ha- we figure this shit out. Bread v. Is banana cake? bread cake? No. No. Okay. No. Otherwise, it'd be banana cake. There is such a thing as banana cake. That sounds terrible. I, <laughs> I'd much rather have banana bread because yeah. at least banana bread, when I have that for breakfast, I don't have to tell mm-hmm. myself I'm eating cake for breakfast. What's wrong with but that? Be I honest know. with yourself. Well, if I'm being honest with everyone listening, so I've had when, cake for breakfast. Okay, well, yeah. If So have you had banana bread for breakfast? Yes. Okay, would you say that you were eating cake for breakfast at that point in time? Or Not to anyone who asks, <laughs> but I know. On, get out of here. I know. I know what's going uh, on. How do you, how, what is your preferred uh, way to eat banana bread? Like, are you a, just a slice off the counter if there's a loaf on the counter? Do you warm it up? Do you add butter? Do you add cream cheese? Uh, okay, so preferred way, like the ultimate way, yeah. uh, my grandma makes hand, like hands down like the best banana bread. You need to and bring some to me next time. So I love banana bread. I fucking love it. It's so fucking, it is so fucking good and it has to be buttered. Okay. And it's got to be like, um, not warmed or anything, or not even, it doesn't have to be fresh. It can be, a, that, you know, that's great. But like, it's got to be the butter that just sits out on the counter too. Got to be soft. You know, soft, yeah. soft butter um, just spreads bloop right on there and you just, oh man, two bites, hump, hump, gone. Like for an entire it's, slice in two yeah. bites? Yes. You because need to you can't slow help down. yourself now. No, because you just go back for another slice and then you get extra oh, bites. okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, nuts or no nuts? No nuts. No nuts oh, in this really? One. I do like nuts. Yeah, like if you have like throwing like some walnuts. At, you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, I'm not against it. Okay. Same with like chocolate chips. Sure, throw in some chocolate chips every once in a while. See, I'm not a chocolate not? chips in my banana bread. Yeah? I like walnuts and I like banana in my banana bread. Okay. Like those are the those are the two must haves. Yeah. And then the rest is cake. I would say I was to say if it was like if it was cake, certainly then chocolate would fit right in, but it's not. It's bread. Yeah. But it's cake. <laughs> I uh, I do like banana bread warm. 
yeah. and then with the butter on top. Okay. Uh, but a nice secondary option is is cream cheese. is is nice on banana never bread. Had, yeah, yeah, never had cream cheese. Yeah. Also, has to be soft because banana bread is a soft mm-hmm. cake, and so <laughs> <laughs> it's not something you can just spread stuff on top of. But, um, anyways, this uh, beer is delicious. Uh, is the honey good. note comes through. The peanut butter is not an overpowering peanut butter. It does complement. Uh, the honey itself. I would actually say that this is more of a honey forward beer than it is a peanut butter forward beer, uh, but a, a great offering. I, I'm I'm a fan of any kind of peanut butter beer. You throw a peanut butter beer in front of me, and I'm I'm there yeah, for it. Nice. I bet peanut butter be good on banana bread. Where's that been hanging out? Be like a a peanut butter yeah. and banana sandwich. Yeah, 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 like the Elvis. Yeah, the Elvis of Ooh, banana and then breads. Add some bacon. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking eat it on your toilet. Try not to have a heart attack. <laughs> oh, you know. Oh. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> All right. Well, that is our sportsman sip. We raise our glass to uh, Wisconsin as Nebraska is going to head to Camp Randall this weekend to try and do something they haven't done since joining the the Big Ten, which is to win at Wisconsin. Um, quite the monumental task in front of them from a from a I guess a named matchup perspective. Right, Nebraska sees Wisconsin on the schedule and knows they're up for a fight. Yeah. Um, this game is scheduled for November. 18th it is a 6 30 p.m central time kickoff the game will be aired on nbc which is an affiliate of peacock so god willing it's a <laughs> decent broadcast uh, i'm sure i'm gonna see plenty of commercials i'm gonna hate the commentators and i'm gonna <laughs> i'm gonna yell about things unrelated to the the, the, the play on the field so yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully yeah hopefully you have enough outside of the game to yell at you don't have to worry about yelling at the game itself here's here's what's what'll be nice is um Family bedtime on a Saturday night's around like seven thirty to eight o'clock for the kids, and okay. so the game running will be a prison. Jeez, man, seven thirty on a Saturday. I mean, they're tired. I'm man. just kidding. It's like a it's like a like a like a no nap weekend sort of situation. We've got sports in the morning, some some organized sports. So like by seven thirty, like they're telling us it's bedtime. Yeah, and we're like, no, stay up, have another drink, and they're like, no, we're tired. Um, but what's nice about that is that'll hit like right. Uh, right before half so like yeah second quarter's probably got about six minutes left when it's time for bed and so i go headphones on while uh i'm putting my oldest to bed my wife takes care of the youngest and puts him to bed and so i'm on headphones while he's watching his last cartoon for the night so we're kind of both watching our things and then when it's time to turn off his tv i can just roll over watching him so i can't be loud i can't yell Ooh, yeah. and then once he's out then i can kind of come downstairs I'll, I'll make a drink, I'll have the rest of the game on, and then we'll finish the game, you know, and, and two stories up, he can't hear when I get, get frustrated. So <laughs> If. Yeah. If you well, get frustrated, who knows? I will get frustrated um, at anything, even if even if things are going well. That's right, yeah, we could be like 31 nothing, and if we give up a first down on like third and I'll eight. I'll be like, oh, oh my God. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyways, um, you know, moving into talking about the game itself. <laughs> um, the point spread was released. We're obviously, again, recording this on Sunday uh, afternoon. Yeah. And so the point spread will be different, I'm sure, by the time this comes out on the Tuesday. Okay. But I want to I wanna challenge you. Where do you think it opened at? Okay. And there has been some movement already. So uh, as of Sunday afternoon, where do you think this line currently sits? Okay. Wisconsin's at home. They own a 10-1 record over us. Since we joined the Big Ten, I think um, neither of these teams is great at scoring points, and uh, Wisconsin has been really good at not covering um, their own point spread. So I'm going to say it opened at, I mean, at Wisconsin's going to be favored. Um, 
all things considered, seven and a half, I think, is probably where they opened. And they probably sit like, mm, I don't think it went Nebraska's way. I think eight and a half. I'm going to say eight and a half. Okay. You were very close on where it opened. Okay. It, it opened at seven points. Okay. Uh, as per the Action Network. Um, that was That's what I use as a resource. The early line uh, that I saw early this morning, which was through the New Jersey Caesar Sportsbook, uh, sat at ten and a half as okay. an opening line, but that was immediately put aside once all the other sports books put theirs down at at, at seven. Fucking um, idiots! <laughs> and a half Jesus. I would not call anyone in New Jersey any names because <laughs> I don't know who's connected to what. So uh, I just want to get that out on there. If you're looking for one voice versus the other, <laughs> oh, we got similar voices and same register. And I don't think so. Sultriness. No, I I I hope they. You know, I hope nothing happens. But if it does. I'm, you know, you made your bed. Uh, That's all right. Yeah. What? Who's more scary, the mafia or the media conglomerate that is like NBC Universal Peacock <laughs> that I was shitting all over? Uh, so the line opened at seven, uh, and at this point, let's see what time is it. It is three thirty on a Sunday afternoon uh, before the game, so six days out. Uh, the line moved at five. Ooh, five points in favor of of Wisconsin. Wow. So I'm sure there's going to be some movement back and forth. This one I think is going to move all week because I think this is an interesting game where it is one of those where, you know, you, you talk about like who wants it more. Mm-hmm. This feels like that kind of a game. Yeah. Which team's going to go out there and, and fight for what they want. Um, and I guess we can get into it. Yeah. That was my biggest note actually on Wisconsin coming into this thing is um, where they sit mentally. Like as a team. Uh, you know, they just they just lost to Northwestern at home, like like handily. Uh, yeah, it was it was, you know, Northwestern jumped out. Um, I think they're up 24 to three at the half and then finished 24 to 10. So um, Wisconsin really came out flat and, and and never, never got back into it, at least offensively in that game. Um, I think it's worth noting, too, if you didn't watch that game, North, um, it was 24 to three until 11 seconds left in the game. Yeah, Wisconsin scored a late, 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 late touchdown. touchdown where. Uh, when they scored David Braun, the interim head coach at Northwestern was happy. He was yeah. like, all right, good for you guys. <laughs> you know, uh, which all things aside, when is Northwestern just going to hire that guy? He has yeah, got announce that, it. I mean, give yourself some momentum going into this off season with recruiting and stuff like that. Cause I think he's a, a, now every coach that we have praised on this show has gone on to have some sort of whoops, a daisy <laughs> <laughs> moving forward. But he has just really seemed to kind of earn that team's trust very quickly and got them playing the best football of the season right after they played Nebraska. Praise be. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, this Wisconsin team uh, has definitely looked over the past couple of games not like their normal self. Yeah, it's been really questionable. Um, and and Hunter Wooler, their their safety, their you know their team leader. Um, called him out and said, you know, like, we're going to find out who wants to be on this team and, and all that. Um, and so it's, you know, they're 10 games into year one under Fickle, and that's what they're dealing with. It's, um, you know, they've, they've got some – their defense, I think, is doing well. Their offense, obviously, is a work in progress. But they're in that, like – they're in the culture battle stage, yeah. you know, and um, it's not exactly the best place that you want to be. Um, especially for for a perennial power in this this half of the conference um, in a year where the West is obviously just a shit show and everybody is so perfectly fucking chaotic and average. Um, you know, or this was the year that everyone's incredibly good. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And self sabotage. Yeah, yeah. 
um this was the year like right like this was like Vic fickle came in with all the fanfare and um and yes he was going to make some some dramatic changes um especially on the offensive side but like it felt like it was there for the taking for wisconsin everybody kind of picked him almost by default i think a little bit um but yes yeah, so they're, they're they're battling the the big demons the the um who's gonna who's gonna fight for the the w on the helmet type things and so um you know, and Nebraska is coming in, and they're they're kind of in a similar situation in the sense that they're they're fighting for some things that are bigger than just the one one game. It's right. you know you're trying to take down a, a team that you haven't you haven't performed against at all really since you came into the Big Ten. Um, uh, a, a team that's you always kind of have been looking up to, you know, and and maybe tried to emulate in a lot of ways. Um, and you're you're fighting again for a bowl game. Yeah. Um, and somehow, miraculously, for the Big Ten West. It's still on the table. It's still on the table. It, it really is. So, um, and, and so, yeah. So, uh, we've, we've come up against a couple of teams the past few games um, that were on the skids. Uh, and those teams managed to correct themselves in some way, shape, or form with a win. And so, this is another opportunity to catch a team at the right time. And it's whether or not Nebraska is going to take advantage of it. You know, my perspective on that. Um, is I think it's kind of nice that now Nebraska is that team on the skids, right? Now Nebraska is that team with something to prove. Um, Wisconsin's on a on a three game losing streak. Nebraska's on a two game losing streak. Uh, both teams sit at five and five. Both teams are in the same position in the Big Ten West. Both teams are first year head coach with drastic culture changes. But the difference being is Nebraska's team seems more bought in in the direction this culture is going. And as much as the losses hurt, they know that they're part of the growing pains. And when you look at what Wisconsin is going through, I've heard some people compare the culture shock and the culture change similar to Nebraska in 2004, uh, where there was the changing guard and the and the uh, the Callahan team came in and tried to you know change what Nebraska was about. And we've seen the ripple effect and the repercussions. But I don't think Wisconsin's on that same that same path where they're going to see some difficulty moving forward. Luke Fickle's a good coach. But Wisconsin was was very much who they were, right? It'll be a similar thing if someone non-related to the Ferentz family takes over um, at Iowa. There's going to be, I don't mean specifically, that came off like a jab. It wasn't a jab. I mean within the coaching family, the coaching tree. Uh-huh. Um, okay. <laughs> take, take it as a jab if you want. I meant like someone within, I could have used better terminology. Yeah. There, but, you know, when, when Fickle got hired, he wasn't part of that Barry Alvarez kind of lineage yeah. that like... Um, Leonard was or that Paul Christ was part of and and um and so there were a lot of players who kind of pushed back on that especially with how beloved Jim Leonard was and then to have him go off and become an analyst at Illinois and take some time away because he wasn't given uh the the opportunity to lead that team yeah there's going to be some attrition there but I don't think that it's going to be a situation where like Luke Fickle lets that drop off happen I think it's more like I've got to identify my guys and get the buy-in there and some of the difficult conversations that maybe Matt rule had early on of being like, if you're not bought in, you know, there's better opportunity for you. Maybe those opportunities, those conversations weren't had because it's like, Hey, you're a good player. We're going to make it fit. We're going to make it work. Uh, and we're going to, we're going to be the best team we can be this year, as opposed to maybe playing for the future. And there's just some, some things that are being kind of done differently at, at Wisconsin. They're trying to be a team that they don't have the skill set for, uh, as far as the offensive identity goes. And you know, if your offense isn't clicking, we, you know, we've been fortunate that our defense is, has been there and stayed in it. And I think this Wisconsin defense is like, hey, you took our guy away from us. So, you know, what are we doing? 
Yeah. Yeah, they haven't been um defensively they haven't, they haven't been terrible. They've been maybe more inconsistent. Yeah. Um and for large stretches to a point where like they kind of blow a game and then they they there's not enough on the other side of the ball to to um regain control. Um but yeah, so they're 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 wrestling with some um some big things and um I think like I I think that they do they have a lot of talent, right? Like Agreed. individual yeah. talent is all there. Like you look on both sides of the ball offensively, defensively, um, you know, when, when they've got everybody healthy, uh, like it, it seems like this is like one of those things was like on paper, like Wisconsin's like the, they seem like they should be the better team. Right. Um, but yeah, but they're just not adjusting well, uh, to the new regime. And so, um, Nebraska will see their, their full complement of offensive of players outside of Chesma Lucy. Um, they've got, they've got Tanner Mordecai back at quarterback. Um, they've got Braylon Allen. He should be back off of an ankle sprain here. Um, this week, and then they've got all their their receivers, um, ready to rock and roll. And so, um, you know, I think we're gonna get their their best shot. Um, they're they're a team that again they're they're gonna want to throw the ball. They're trying to go to that spread offense. And so, um, I think I think Tony White's defense is three three five is so well suited to this sort of thing, um, that I feel pretty confident, um, in our ability to at least line up and and really make things difficult. We just saw. Uh, Maryland, you know, this week, and that, I think that was is the a better version of what Wisconsin is doing, even if it is a little bit different. Um, and so I'm not I'm not worried um, about this matchup, but again, it's yeah. it's one of those things where you know we're 11 games in now. Um, the defense has has continued to impress week in and week out, but I still do have that sort of that feeling in my gut of like there's gonna there's got to be one game right like it's gonna be one game here down the stretch where like uh you know another team throws a couple haymakers and and we give up a couple touchdowns you know um I mean but kind of get caught off off guard but but I don't think there has to be <laughs> no I don't think you know there what I mean? has like, to be I, I would say we would have seen that by now don't you like we would have we would have seen because there's been ample opportunity for this defense to to have the haymaker thrown, mm-hmm. and for all of us, all the all the different Nebraska podcasts, all the media talking heads, all the people on social media, not a single one of them would have gone. Well, that was the defense's fault. Yeah, like the opportunity has been there for this defense to slack, and I think honestly, I think that game was Purdue, and I think we got lucky because if you go back and rewatch that game, there was ample opportunity for Purdue to carve Nebraska's secondary up because they weren't where they needed to be. Tony White said it. Rule said it. The players said it. Like, that was not up to our standard. So that game happened, right? Like, the game where things could have gotten out of hand happened. The defense just made big plays, and the offense scored enough points to keep Nebraska rolling in that game. Yeah. So I don't I don't know that necessarily we are going to see that drop-off. It's, it's 100% a question of can our offense score points or can the defense come up with some points to – get us across the finish line against this Wisconsin team. You know, you say Nebraska's 11 games in and when, well, Wisconsin's fucking 11 games in, right? Both sides are, are, that's the beauty of the sport is that this, this point in the year, everyone's fighting with what they got. They're, they're both going to be beat up teams on both sides of the ball. And it's a matter of just who wants it more. And I believe from the talking points when a guy like a, a Ty Robinson comes out in the postgame presser with ice on his arm and has still got fire in his belly, like, yeah, we're disappointed, but we're not giving up. Versus a leader on your defense coming out saying, we're soft, we don't focus, we aren't paying attention. Like, I'm going to put my money 
quote unquote money. <laughs> but I'm going to I'm going to put my emotion, which to me matters more than money. And I'm going to put my heart into the team that's still fighting and still has that culture and belief. So I give the advantage in the Wisconsin offense versus Nebraska defense the advantage. And I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to give my actual, not just like, oh, I feel this way. Yeah, because I was saying, emotion's not going to pay your mortgage. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, if you're my wife, it does. <laughs> <laughs> I hope she doesn't listen. She doesn't. She stopped listening a while ago. Um, I don't like the way Wisconsin's offensive line has played late into this season. Northwestern was able to send four guys for a majority of that game and put pressure on uh, Mordecai. And Tanner Mordecai, although he's got a big league arm in the sense that uh, Talia has a big league arm, he can make the throws all across the field. He's not a guy that's going to roll out of the pocket to extend the play. He can run. They will draw up some quarterback draws with him. He will you know, get outside and scramble. But he's not the kind of guy who likes to throw on the run and throw out in motion. He likes to sit and climb in that pocket. And Wisconsin's offensive line has not been as effective this season. And I think part of that is losing a guy like Chesma Lucy, being out Braylon Allen for a lot of the season and relying on a lot of young running back talent. So that offensive line is getting a lot of pressure because the run game is not as effective as it has been in the past. But I don't expect that run game to be an issue because it hasn't been with Nebraska, regardless of who we've gone up against. So I like the kind of disruption that I think that our defensive line is going to be able to to put on with a four-man pressure. Um, and then with the occasional blitz like we see Tony White draw up, I think there's going to be some opportunity in this game for Wisconsin to make some mistakes, get frustrated, and get behind the ball. Um, and, and Nebraska to take advantage of that. And maybe that's when the emotion does start to win you the game. Yeah. Right? Because Nebraska is feeling juiced up. Camp Randall, night game. And when jump around comes around, we're the ones jumping around as opposed to Wisconsin feeling like they have the momentum. I hope so. Um, I mean, I know like we just saw Maryland do a really good job of um, of countering that pressure that Nebraska was wanting to throw at them, and Nebraska responded. You know, Nebraska does does a good job of um, of swarming to the ball, of containing like not not allowing these these big plays to to break off, um, especially in, um, mostly in the run game, but um, even in the pass game, I think they do a good job of containing people. Um, I think I think if there's anything that anything else that Wisconsin kind of lacks, which is weird to say, but like they do lack that run game. Isn't that um, crazy? Which is so fucking weird. <laughs> and it's like like they're they're kind of good at it. Like when when like Ches Malusi was doing was great. Like he's a huge loss for them, right? Like they yeah. lost him earlier early in the season to a broken leg. Um, Braylon Allen was the guy last year in the, in a different offense. Um, and he's still he's still fine, but like um, yeah, he's been dinged up, so he's not running at full health. Um, and it's just yeah, it's just not. I don't know, man. It's just not the same. They don't. They can't. They can't lean on the run game that they that the way that they did before. Um, and, uh, and and but then they, they want to be a, a spread offense, but they don't have. They've got tons of fucking options, but they're all. They don't have any any receiver ever. Not one game that's gone over a hundred yards this year. Which is insane to me. Like, yeah, you're a spread, for a spread off- offense, right? <laughs> spread <laughs> offense, like a throw first offense that's sort of balanced, um, but they, yeah, they don't have a single guy that's gone over a hundred yards in any, any game. Um, so I don't know. So it, so they, they, Mordecai is, is a is a good distributor. Um, 
he's not going to push the ball downfield a ton. He's just going to get the ball to his guys in space um, and see what they can do. But yeah, without I think without an effective run game, I think that that kind of diminishes those shorter passes. Yeah. Um, cause, cause defenses don't have to stack the box. They can keep everything in front of them. Um, and I, yeah, no, I, I, I expect Nebraska to have a successful defensive performance here. I just, it's just a, it's just one of those gut feelings. It's like, you can't be, you can't be this consistent on defense this far into the year. And you, you can be, <laughs> I, I, I guess I'm just asking like, why? Why? Like, why can't you? Yeah, it's a little because bit of just. It's just. It's is just, it just your your the the fear is like just creeping. Like it's some of it's fear. Some of it's like the the pressure mounting of like me. Like what pressure though? One, I want a bowl game. You do. That's fine. I do too. But I don't think that that's pressure on this team. Not on them. It's on me. Okay. <laughs> I feel a pre- I, I feel the pressure on me. Like I don't know. I hope. I hope uh, that if if and when Nebraska gets that sixth win this season, that like someone turns to the camera. And he's like, you did it, Drew. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to find a Nebraska player on like a cameo or something. And I'm going to pay them yeah. way too much money to be like, you did it, Drew. They hold up a sign for yeah. me. I hope so. That'd yeah. be great. I would feel good then. Would you? I'd feel good. No, then I don't want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I can't give you that kind of power. <laughs> so Wisconsin's defense, right? You talked about how they uh, have, have still been successful at times, if not inconsistent. I saw the exact same thing. You know, uh, we talked early on about how there's there's some guys from this uh, past coaching staff and those guys under Jim Leonard as defensive coordinator who, uh, when he was given the opportunity to be the interim coach, they definitely got behind and fought for him um, and, and played, you know, decent football down the stretch. Last year, they eked away a win at Nebraska when it looked like Nebraska was finally going to take it away. You know, but they won 15-14. There's still some carryover from those developed guys who are, are great on defense and, um you know, I, I still see that. I still see guys out there giving a great effort. I think Wisconsin is is still great along the defensive line. They're still stout against the run. Yeah. Um. You know, you look at the past few games where Wisconsin's dropped them, and, and they've been beat through the air. Um, Northwestern had a hell of a day throwing the ball around the field and um, on some balls that were, you know, defenders were in the right spot, but they just weren't contesting. The effort wasn't there. And to me, that's the, the part that's kind of like frustrating where it's like, okay, they can play good defense, they just have to want to play good defense. And if that's the team we get, if we get a team that mentally is ready to play, then it's going to be, you know, more of an uphill climb than if we we walk into a, a team that's defeated and already packing it up for the season. Yeah. And I was going to say, like, they, I mean, they are really great in the run stop. They're, um, they're not quite allowing four yards per rush. Um, I would, I would peg their, I mean, their linebackers are a big part of that. Uh, Jake Cheney, uh, Maimon and Jong Meda and Jordan Turner. It's just a, a great trio. You expect Wisconsin to have great linebackers. Um, but I think that their secondary is also really strong. Um, and so, um, you know, Hunter Wohler, again, at safety. Ricardo Hallman is your cornerback. Uh, he's got five interceptions, which is tied. He's got half the team interceptions. It's tied second in the FBS. Um, I don't want Nebraska any idea that they need to throw the ball, though, against these guys to have success. Um just run, just run, please just run the ball. Just run the ball against them. Okay, so here's, here's, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't because, to, because there were, there's like, yeah, you cannot, at first you can't, you can't count that, count on um, a lack of effort from Wisconsin. You cannot count on breakdowns because they did have some breakdowns against Northwestern where, um, you know, two guys would take one receiver and leave another guy open um, down the sideline and, and, and would just blow, blow wide open. But, um, I, you can't rely on that. I think this is actually like a 
you have to you have to plan for the best version of Wisconsin's offense. So you you made a point that I I wish I had had made kind of going into that that last talking point, which is yeah, you know, we're seeing a version of them that is not what they are. Yeah. Right? We're seeing a version of them and and you have to believe that this coaching staff over the course of this week will shape the guys into into the players they need to be for this week to be successful. And even if it's new names that we haven't seen yet, but guys who are given all out because they want to be there and they want to be a part of it. Like you have to expect a a typical Wisconsin team that has talent that can develop behind a coaching staff that has developed, that has taken guys from, you know, a group of five, led them to the college play. Like this is a good coaching staff. Yeah. Right. This isn't anything to scoff at. And I don't think this is indicative of what this coaching staff is going to turn into. They're going to get their guys in there, and Luke Fickle's going to turn them back into a team that tries to top the Big Ten. Yeah. Right? I'm. This isn't me saying, like, oh, they got trouble in Madison. This is the first year, and they've got time to develop this. Yeah. I mean, they do. There is trouble, right? Like, they like they are dealing with some... They're grappling with some huge issues, but, like, if, if the biggest problem, if it is lack of energy, like, the, the quickest place to inject energy is your defense like the, that's the easiest place to find it is defense right like you just play with energy um and and that's where i think like most of their their talent um and ability is uh if they're going to control a game if they're going to take over a game and if they're going to do it with energy it's going to be on the defensive side of the ball um and i think that that in and of itself can spark enough or give enough opportunity to this offense um again with the quarterback that that was their guy that's now come back healthy from a broken hand with uh, Braylon Allen, who we know is talented, um, who should be returning to full health with a after a sprained ankle, um, it just feels like one of those things where it's like they don't they don't need to they don't need to fix all their problems they don't need to completely turn their season around, um, but it it's just they've had shit they've strung together some shitty fucking games against some teams that they know they should have beat. Um, if there was a time that they were going to turn it around, they're going to play up to. The competition, which isn't, you know, I know Nebraska is not a uh, world beater, but like Nebraska is still Nebraska, right? Like it's, 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 it's more, it's, e- I think it's still easier for teams to get up for Nebraska than it is for them to get up for Northwestern, to get up for Indiana. Um, and this you, you're telling me you wouldn't want to wake up and punch Tom <laughs> Allen. Like you, you, you don't get to punch Tom Allen. You got to go play against Indiana. I mean, if you're smart about you know? <laughs> the, the way that you run into the sideline, yeah. you might, you might get to run into Tom Allen. You get Allen. a chance to take that little rat I bet out. he yeah. sounds like a dog squeaky toy when you hit him, <laughs> but with more teeth. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. But yeah, so this just feels like, this just feels like a game where, um, again, things could just kind of click, click for this team. Yeah. Um, and, and they're, you know, they got the, they'll have the home crowd with them. And, um, and I, I don't think, I don't think the people of Madison have, have completely given up. I don't think they're going to not show up or not bring some energy, at least from the get go. Yeah. Um, one thing I did note though, I guess on, on that, uh, subject is, uh, Wisconsin is not a jump out ahead type team. I gotta see if I can find my note on it though. Um, I think all season they have scored six points in the first quarter. Uh, no, 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 no. Okay, no, let me take that back. Okay, no, no. Here it is. Okay, they've scored six points uh, in the first quarter in the last six games. They had two field goals. Um, their last time scoring a touchdown in the first quarter was September 22nd against Purdue. Um, 
Whereas Nebraska all season has only allowed three field goals in the first quarter, if you exclude Michigan. It's a big if. Which, well, be, uh, <laughs> like the one that, you know, Michigan, they, yeah. and Michigan put up 14, whatever. Like those are the only touchdowns that Nebraska's sure. allowed in the first quarter. And so like, I know rules talked about not getting out ahead earlier, like that not being important, but. They also don't get um, behind early. They don't get behind early. Yeah. yeah. They really don't. Like, um, they, it, like these sorts of games are like instant, instant, uh, like we, we put each other in a headlock type yeah. games. Um, and I, and this is going to have to be one of those that Nebraska needs because they, they're not going to be able to play from behind. Um, and again, if, if, if Wisconsin has just one day, like one good day where things are clicking offensively, they've, they've got the right pieces. Um, you know, they could, they could turn it into a one-sided shootout Yeah, that Nebraska just cannot compete with. So, so I want to argue off of that, obviously, because that's, that's what makes this fun. Can't just fucking, okay. No, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I agree with you, right? I don't think that, I don't think that this team can be underestimated, even with everything that's come out in the past 12, 24 hours from this frustrated Wisconsin team that lost against the Northwestern team after losing to Indiana, right? Like that two game loss stretch is a very difficult one to swallow. The third loss in a row for them was Ohio state. Like you go into that game going, let's, let's play a good game and let the chips fall where they fall. But when you play an Indiana team, that's, that's like a two or three win team. And then you play a Northwestern team with an interim head coach, you expect to go into those games, prepare and win because you're Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. You have historically beat those teams, but I don't want Nebraska to look at this and go, well, Wisconsin's on a downward skid. And I think we have the benefit of, Michigan State was on a downward skid, and we let that one get by. Maryland was on a downward skid. They got right against us. So, like, yeah. let's take this one fucking seriously and pretend we're going up against a world beater because they have the potential to be that. They have a lot of the puzzle pieces in place, and if we let those click, we're not going to catch up. Um, but if we if we are the ones that click, they don't have a chance. You know what I mean? So, like, on, on the alternative side of that, I think there's an opportunity for Nebraska to go into the offseason season with some positive momentum. And I don't want to say that the Iowa game wouldn't matter, but if Nebraska were to win this game against Wisconsin, and let's say Iowa wins against Illinois, they lock up the Big Ten West before going into the Black Friday matchup. Like, I think you can you can hone in on this game and be like, this was the difference. Like, this was the game, regardless of what happens against Iowa, this was the game where we saw the switch, where the proof of concept was delivered. And so I think there's a lot on the line here that you've got to prepare like this is your fucking Super Bowl. Yeah. Because I, I don't think you, you you don't leave the Iowa game, you know, as the we've got to win that one to get to our six wins. You win it now and you got to prepare for it like that. And I trust in this coaching staff to get this team right because they've done it time after time um, to, to make that happen. Yeah. So here's my question for you for this game. Okay. Wisconsin's defense. We talked about that. So Nebraska's offense. Where do you see the start going for quarterback? <laughs> that was my first question. <laughs> that, was, <laughs> <laughs> that, was my first, that was the first thing I wrote down. Who will be starting quarterback? And then also over under 15 total passes. Um, I uh, I feel like if Harburg is healthy, I think they just go back to him. I think okay. that's, I honestly I think that's just because that's the easiest thing to do. I also, Wisconsin's and, had some issues with running quarterbacks too this season. See, but I, no, there's not a quarterback on our roster in those top three that can't run. Like, they are all fine at running. And Chirba Purdy showed that. He can run the ball yeah, effectively. effectively. Um, 
He also he looked just, a little bit like Huckabee uh, or Maccabee <laughs> on one of those runs. That, that, that long yeah. run he had, like that ball was in the air. He was, was moving around. Yeah, he did have it. He was kind of holding it. There's nobody around. It was okay. I mean, uh, <laughs> why don't we just practice? Why don't we just pretend yeah. there's somebody around? I would, I would, um, it's not going to be Jeff Sims. Um, I think that, I think that that ship has sailed and that's, you know, um, that is what it is at this point. Um, Harburg, if he's healthy, I imagine gets a start, but if it's Chuba, I would be okay with that. I want to, I kind of want to see what, what the offense looks like and, and, um, like if, if Chuba has a week to prepare and, um, and the team kind of rallies around him and he gets reps with these, these top string guys, uh, I honestly don't know why it took as long as it did to see him in action anyway. Yeah. Um, we talked a little bit about like trying to maybe develop Harburg further and, um, and all that, or maybe they were looking for consistency on offense. I don't know what it was, but, um, I, I just, I think you've reached your point in the season where it's like, okay, the developing has been done. Let's, we need to get a win. Yeah. Right. And, like, and that's not knocking. like Harburg did his, Harburg did what he needed to do in a lot of situations to help get wins. But I think a hundred percent Purdy is better than an 80% Harburg. Mm-hmm. You know, if if they're a hundred and a hundred, I think you go with the guy who has more game experience this season, and you develop a game plan around creative ways to run the ball, and you get Harburg to run the ball, and you limit the passing opportunities, just like you said. I'm I'm in agreement. I think if Harburg's healthy, you go with Harburg. But I do think that if there's any question, I think I think Purdy's earned the opportunity in that final drive. Yeah, I don't think he. Did. I don't honestly. I don't think he did anything wrong to play himself out of the. Look, we talked about this for like yeah, an, an hour already. <laughs> I was excited by what I saw out of him. Yeah. Um. And I, but I think that that's the that speaks to, um, him as a th- as a third string guy being prepared, like understanding that the moment could come at any at any time, um, being ready to to do what he needed to do, and then um, you know, having having what it takes to to capitalize when that did come up. Yeah. I mean. We didn't. We didn't really dwell on it. how huge was that throw to Billy Kemp to extend that. Like, you know, Emmett Johnson obviously hands the ball off. Emmett Johnson runs. He mm-hmm. scrambles uh, himself. Purdy scrambled as well. But like, you can walk in and scramble because you don't want to get hit. But to be able <laughs> yeah. to step up and deliver a ball in a cr- crucial third down situation as well, like there was some serious stuff going on that we haven't seen from our quarterback play in Nebraska this season, which was a big pass on third down, a big conversion. And then throwing the ball away to live to fight another down. Like there's already things in that, however many plays it was, like nine, 12 plays or whatever, where there was something where you're like, okay, you could game plan around this. Yeah. Yeah. So he's, he's yeah, he is a usable quarterback. Yeah. Uh, to say the least. And, and, uh, and I'm not opposed to seeing him in a situation where there is, again, a lot on the line. So yeah. uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens there. Special teams. Anything you want to point out there? Uh, no. Nah. Um, I put, that they're relatively aggressive on their punt return. Uh, they got Shamir Dyke, who's a wide receiver. He likes to return the ball. He's good for nine, a little over nine yards of return, um, which again, you know, it's it's not a ton, but it's that's a first down. Yeah, you know, it's essentially a free first down every time he returns the ball. Um, so that's going to be important. And then uh, they've got a kicker in Vakos, who's career eighty-one percent. He's pretty much clutch inside of forty. So letting letting their offense drive into your. Uh, what is it? Not, not the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Inside yeah. 30 or whatever is going to like, it's, a, it's almost a guaranteed three if they're willing to kick it. 
Um, and he, he has decent range. He can hit from, from longer if they need him from 55, you know, for example. But um, but pretty much just uh, the, the yeah, keeping them out of those scoring opportunities, obviously, is going to be better because, I th- again, this is going to be, I think, a low-scoring affair. And they, they're going to be willing to take, I think, the points that, that, that we give them. So, nice. Yeah. Um, fake punts and all that shit. I don't know. I don't know. Have we'll fun. see what they, we'll it. see what they draw up. You know, you, you know, know what I like is it's not every game they're trying to pull something. It's not like every opportunity they're, they're just like, let's try one here. They're, they're picking their spots. They and are. so if there's an opportunity for one, it's because the coaching staff sees it. And if there's not one, they're not going to, you know, they're not going to fuck around and find out. Yeah. Yeah. They're not like uh, overly aggressive. To I, I think every fake they have attempted has converted. So, you know, when when you look at it on that, it's like when they see their spot, they take it. Yeah. And if they don't, they don't. So, yeah. um, prediction. I'm gonna be completely honest. I ain't got one. That's okay. Um, but I do think, I do think Nebraska wins this game. Do you genu- genuinely? I think genuinely okay. believe that they will. And 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 the reason I do comes down to if if nothing else. Nebraska needs to go into this game, and I'm just going to rehash what I've said. Treat this game like it's this is the game, right? You're going to throw everything you have at this game because if you win this game, the rest of the season is is banana cake, right? Like it is. <laughs> <laughs> and I and I think that it's got to be incredibly difficult to walk into a locker room after one of the leaders on your team has called your team soft, has said that you don't prepare. That we are not the team that we should be. That there's a lot of talk on the message boards in Wisconsin right now about how this team is not together and that how they're giving up. And you've got a coach who said, we got to figure out who we are this week. I think that's a lot harder to come back from than a tough loss where you've already got a culture and you got guys who are all pulling in the same direction. Yeah. And so I think if Nebraska treats this seriously and doesn't, doesn't listen into that stuff and goes, like what you were saying, we're going to get the Wisconsin that's the world beater that can go out and beat anybody on any given Saturday. And that's why we play the game. That's who we're expecting. And we're going to be ready for that team. I think if Nebraska takes that approach, it's not going to be a big one, but I think that they can, they can take the win. I hope so. Yeah. That's it's those, the, the, what Wisconsin's going through, it's either going to unify them or it's going to be, it's a wedge. Like it, the, either they're going to continue and, to and be I, this and I think divided you, team. You got to say it's going to unify them. That's what you So let's be on. prepared. Yeah. And I think that, uh, and, and, and part of this true too, Drew, uh, I was trying to say too, Drew. I said true. Um, very, very funny. Um, very funny slip of the tongue. Um, part of this too is a proof of concept for this coaching staff at Nebraska, right? Like this is an opportunity where I can either see growth or I can see the same shit I've been seeing for however many years. And and for my own well-being, I believe I'm going to see the growth. So that's my prediction. Okay. Nebraska's going to win. Um And so it's, it's going to, it might be by a field goal. It might be by four points. Hell, it might be by a safety. I don't think it's going to be by much. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. This is all my effort went into my prediction this week. (laughs) Well, Hey, that's why I wanted to get my bullshit one out of the way. Oh, I've had, I'm not going to lie. I've had so many, so many times where after like these losses, it's, I don't, I don't want to do this. Like I don't, yeah. I don't want to try. <laughs> I want to, hey. I want to have a sulky day. You just, um, I just said I didn't prepare, and you're like, I prepared, and 
I I responded. I was this is what I'm saying. You can either have you can either you can respond or you don't. No, um uh I am th- I'm, I'm in line with you regardless. Okay, here we go. Prediction. Other than your feelings about Deion Sanders, I really hope you're not lactose intolerant because this is about to be the cheesiest prediction ever. If high-scoring games are nacho thing, you're in luck, Jack. I'm not going out on much of a limb burger and saying this could be the lowest-scoring game yet. My advice for all you gamblers out there, mascar pony up the dough on the under. Husker fans that are fed up with the monsterosity, monsterosity of an offense are not prove alone. It's a damn shame they haven't been even remotely Gouda, considering how unbelievable our defense has been playing. On the other hand, for Swiss-Consin, it mozzarella been difficult for their fans to see their team get shredded by Northwestern last week. They couldn't get much going on the ground or Gruyere as they blew their fourth game in five tries. Now I could be wrong about this one, but I've got a great feeling our offense looks just a little bit cheddar with Chubba Purdy leading the charge. Coach Rule can't do much parm by giving him the start. What's the worst case scenario if they dip into the Fontina youth and let the kid play? Nebraska flips the script in this one and finally finds that sixth win. Alvano drills the game winner as time expires. Nebraska 16 to 15. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that would be so great. 16, 15. Yeah. I think that that's, that's my thing is I think that we, I just, Wisconsin kicks five <laughs> field goals. <laughs> no, 15 is a weird, I was just looking for weird, weird scores. I, I just, you know, fumbled around on those yeah. numbers for a while. And, um, can I, can I ask you a question? Yeah. Did you pull up Wikipedia list of cheese names? I did. I did a list of cheese names, and then um, uh, and then went from there. There's that a, was there's remarkable. A, there's a <laughs> there's a ton of cheese out there. There really is. I'll say that. But so I decided just to stick with the the uh, you know the usual suspects. Um, I mean, you threw like Fontina. That's not really a usual suspect. Fine, well, no, but I I was I couldn't fit Havarti either. I was kind of oh. trying to find Havarti, but Fontina youth. Um, yeah, I forced some. You know. Yeah. But. Uh, but there you have it. I know you can't tell by my body, but I'm big cheese, <laughs> big cheese guy over here. <laughs> I love cheese. That was an ode to Wisconsin. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. No, if I got that. that out. No, I, <laughs> I definitely. If you didn't know. I definitely had yeah, that. Yeah. Big, big time cheese people up there. Yeah. So. Plus, um, plus you got a Dion shot in there with yeah, the lactose. Yeah, That's I do. I had very to good. Oh, man. How'd they do this week? Oh, mm. they lost too. Yeah, speaking of last second field goals. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man so yeah close game um regardless i think i think it's it's just gonna be another low scoring affair uh with with you know a team that gets a bowl game at the end of it yeah so, or at least a bowl invite yeah um wouldn't yeah. it be wouldn't it be funny if nebraska turned down a bowl invite? like they win and they're like no we're good <laughs> we're good we're, we're fine right. thanks guys no, thanks cheese we bowl? don't nah. we don't want to go to the bahamas <laughs> uh right. one one last thing i want to say yeah before we wrap up is this beer has come up to temperature is your, do you still have some sure don't nope, nope. <laughs> so i have a little sip left but as we've been yeah. talking and it kind of comes up to temperature a little bit more um I, it, it's even more delicious nice this is very I good wish beer. i would have waited yeah this peanut butter honey wheat uh yeah. from timothy oliphant's brewery <laughs> right isn't that who it or did you say oli fans oli fant 
like, oh, like only the old, fans. like I think it's like an old English or an old, like it's an old Latin for only for, fans. For, elef- for only oh, fans. for elephants. For only fans. Yeah, because <laughs> like only fans of the beer can drink it. Yes, that's what you were referring to. Yep. Yep. <laughs> oh man, we've gone off the rails. I think it's time to uh, to wrap it up. We can do so it. Let's end it. That does it for this week. We want to thank everyone who tuned into this week's episode. If you have anyone who you think would enjoy a listen, we would truly appreciate your recommendation. Do not forget to follow us on social media at wannabe walk-ons and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Remember to do your part. Drink local drinks wherever you are. You can find more information on the beers featured in today's episode by checking out the show notes. If you have any breweries you would like us to sample on the show, visit wannabewalkons.com to submit your recommendations. Thanks again for listening. Join us next week as we share our thoughts on Wisconsin, preview Iowa, and sample more local beer. Thanks for listening, and as always, drink Big Red. Drink Big Red. Drink Big Red.